0: Now, some of you might have noticed today that uh, we, we did our normal worship leader, Duran. We finally gave him a break. And, and we scoured the countryside and tried to find somebody that could possibly help us. And uh, I knew that... Uh, and I was trying to figure out the relationship. My, this is... The worship leader is Ashley today and her husband, Wes. Wes is from South Africa, so I don't understand Wes. I'm not really sure how that works. But uh, she's, she is... Uh, has some background in leading worship, part of a worship leading group down in uh, Lawrence, actually. And she is the sister of my daughter's husband. I don't know. We're, so we're almost related somehow. I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's Ashley today. So hopefully we enjoy, as we go into the response time, that'll be a part of it. So <laughs> here we go. Serial killers. All that, now we're going to talk about serial killers. <laughs> right? Here we go. So we're in week three, if you haven't been with us, we're in week three of a series that we're calling Serial Killers. And uh, what we're doing is we're exploring the things that lurk in the shadows of our own hearts that want to kill or destroy our relationship with God. That there's actually stuff in us, potentially, that could derail us from this relationship that God created all of us to have, that somehow... These things, these serial killers that kind of lurk in the deep, dark shadows of who we are, and sometimes they come out and they show their ugly face, but that somehow it might be in me. So we're trying to expose those things. And so we've been asking God to shine the light, his light of truth upon our hearts. We've been asking God, would you please come and shine the light, a spotlight on the dark places of who we are. And every week we kind of started out the same way and said, we really don't like that. We'd rather not, God. I mean, there's things in my life I'd just like you not to deal with and, and not get messed up with. And can we just kind of stay over here and not over here? But we're asking God in this series, would you please shine your light upon my heart? And so, and especially what's in me or potentially in me. And really when we say that, what we're saying is we want to give God full access to who we are lord you can go to every area of my life every part of who i am every part of my past every part of my present every part of my future where i hope to go lord you can have access i give you the right to come in not like god needs it but he that's how he works and so we give him access and and the the second thing we've said every week is that we're honestly looking for god to reveal truth to us Well, I'm I'm hoping that maybe the reason you're here today is you're saying, I would like God to reveal some truth about who he is and about who I am and how the relationship works, that that truth, I'm looking for that. And so hopefully that's what's happening. And the last one, and this one really kind of gets a little tough, is I'm open to it. That no matter what it is, and so today, when we talk about what we're going to talk about in the serial killer of greed, that I'm open to possibly that the serial killer lurks in me. That I'm open to the fact that maybe there's a a part of me that's given into or has been led away or astray or whatever word you want to put into it with this idea that it might be in me. And so I'm open to whatever God would show me. So that's what we're talking about in this series. So I was doing some research, and by the way, I have not become like a specialist in serial killer understanding. I haven't done that. You know, and so I, I hesitate to even say that. I haven't, been, I haven't read, like, multiple books on serial killers. I'm not having bad dreams at night. I mean, it's, I, like some of you knew last week, I'm, I'm still, I don't wet the bed. I mean, so it's, everything's okay. <laughs> Those of you who go, what in the world does that mean? Is that most serial killers wet the bed after age 12 consistently. So anyway. And so I've been doing some serial killers, and I found out something that kind of caught my attention about it is, and it was this, that there's all kinds of different kinds of serial killers. They're not all the same. There's all kinds of different things that are going on. And, and one of the things that caught my attention is that they're all motivated by something. There's something in them that motivates them to go after and do what they do. How, how ugly and destructive it is, there's something in them that is motivated. And so here, here's the, the categories, real quick. I don't think they're in your notes. But the first one is the visionary serial killer. The visionary, it's, it's that one that heard a voice tell me. <laughs> The voice said, go do that. You know, I, I heard a voice, and it said, go do that. Now, in a spiritual realm, that probably is very demonic and dark and all those kind of things. But in our worlds, if we try to apply that to our lives, that many of us today have had our relationship with God destroyed because we listen to all the wrong voices in life. We listen to all these things that, that really weren't pointing us in any direction that had, had a place and a destination that was healthy and whole. Instead, we listen to all kinds of voices that really led us away. And so the visionary, so I thought that was interesting. The next one is, it's, it's called the missionary serial killer. And really, this one here, it's, it's the, the killer in us is on this, this crusade or a mission, if you will, to rid the world of certain types of people or groups. In other words, they're, they're out to get everybody. And, and we kind of talked about this one because we talked about this kind of killer that was in us in week one and described it as pride or arrogance or insecurity or fear. I'm so afraid of that that it makes me respond in this aggressive, I've got to take that out, and it gets kind of ugly. So, And then the next one is lust, lust killer. What I realized, too, is when we were going through this whole series is that we could easily take this series probably seven, eight, nine weeks. There's so many different things we could have talked about. So I'm kind of summing them all up right here. Lust, lust serial killer, is, is obviously sexually motivated, and we could spend weeks talking about this one killer and really what this is, it's a, it is the serial killer in us that is pursuing pleasure above everything else. I just want to have this feeling. I'm looking for a feeling. I want this feeling. And because I'm constantly chasing after a feeling, I'm willing to allow the serial killer to dominate and dictate my life and pull me away from my relationship with God. So, so that lust, serial killer. Then there's the thrill killer the thrill killer, the, the, the person that's driven by the thrill of killing or taking another person's life. But in us, again, I'm making this parallel, some of us have this serial killer in us that just wants to see how close we can get to the edge without falling off. We just want to see how close we can get to the, to the cliff without, whoa, man, I got a little adrenaline rush there, man. That was cool. And really what that is, here's what it is. It's the serial killer of rebellion. There's a rebel in me. There's a serial killer that says, oh, yeah, let's, let's push it to the limits. Let's go as far as we can. And let's just go out there and get on the ledge and get on the edge and do those kind of things. And somehow, some way, it's all going to work out. But really what it is, it's a serial killer. Because a lot of times we end up falling off. And then, the, and then another one is the power seeker. Nobody would be like this one. It's the killer, that serial killer that has to show that they have total control over every person in every situation in life. It's, it's really what it is. It's a control freak. I, I've got to control everything. And so the serial killer person in me, that in me thing comes out. I've got, I got to control this. I've got to control that. I've got to control that. And I have to have mastery over it. I have to, I have to be in charge of all these things. And so I I think that one could be one that we talk about. But today, I want to talk about this last one. And it's called, they call it the gain serial killer. Gain, like to get gain. The gain serial killer. They're they're, they're willing to kill to gain money or items that they believe to be more valuable than that person's life. Matter of fact, there was one, I did a little research again. I have to keep saying this because I just want you to know I'm not a serial killer research specialists read books that's just not me you know i mean i don't even watch that many shows like that now and so so what and some of you maybe remember there a female serial killer years ago that was a prostitute and she was killing the guys she would go out and the reason why she was gonna rob them. she did it again and, again and again and again and again and that serial killer that part of it is in this right here so really, what we have is this idea that I'm going to gain something, I'm going to get a hold of something, and it's really greed is what we're talking about. So, how many? I'm just curious. How many of you have ever watched the show American Greed? Okay, American Greed. How many of you have watched it like every day? All right, let's pray right up here, Lord. <laughs> no. I mean, American Greed is one of those weird kind of shows that sucks you in, and, and there's always, there's always the, the villain, you know, and there's always the victim, you know, and the victim is, is that person that thought and trusted that this was all good, and it really wasn't, and most of the time, it was some guy that was slick speaking and slick talking, and he kind of had the, the look and the attitude about him, and he was going to take on everything, and he was going to make these huge risks and do all this kind of stuff, and... And Some kind of Ponzi scheme or something is going on, and before you know it, people are losing money, losing, I and mean, tears are streaming. And they were doing stuff to people that people should have never had done to them. I mean, and so you watch that, and you ask yourself the question: It's a, what kind of people could do this? How could they get to that point that that they just thought that? And really, what had happened is that greed, literally, like the show says, took over. The serial killer of greed got a hold of their hearts, and t- some of them, I've watched a couple of them. They, I mean, they'll take people's lives i mean they'll they'll get to the point where it actually it isn't just i'm going to take money or things or stuff it's it's now it's getting to the point where it's got man i got i got to get rid of this person because they're going to interfere with my business and so they got to go after it and so it's kind of weird here here's what i thought was weird about it the whole idea of american greed and the fact that we so many of us raised our hands and we watched it is because greed in a funky kind of way is at times an american approved serial killer Hear me out. It's kind of weird because in some ways we all go greed, yeah, man, that's ugly. But at the same time, we applaud people that are greedy. Man, they're going for it. They're getting it. They're, man, they're making it. They're, they're doing it. And, and we got this kind of double-edged thing going on where we applaud the very thing that we know is not necessarily always well. It's the American way to get some. To get ahead, to, to make, make your spot, to put your stake in the ground, to do it. And that's it. And, you know, we kind of applaud this. But at the same time, we know, man, there's probably something wrong with this. And so it's kind of weird how you try to talk about it. Because when you start talking about this particular topic, what I realize a lot of times is everybody starts checking out. Not me, not me, not me, not me. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Not me. And so we, we kind of got to wrestle with this. So let's try to profile serial killer today let's try to profile this idea of a serial killer of greed here here's the first part it's a biblical definition and these are all biblical ideas and thoughts that go with greed and it is a longing it is an eagerness it is a desire it is a passion it is a lust that is in us to get or gain wealth or stuff for ourselves okay I mean, that's, if you just kind of go all the way through Scripture, you try to un- identify what, what does the Bible say about this one idea of greed, that's kind of the simple answer right there. And then if you take it a little bit further, the Bible describes it as things like a love for money. In other words, what that means is I'm actually, I have a passion to hug, love, and interact with money or whatever money can do. And so there's this passion part. And, then, and here, another term that is in the scriptures that describes it is the funky word covetousness. Covetousness. Which basically means this. I want something I don't have. I just want. There's this wanting in me. This, this wanting something that I don't have. And, and, so, and, and it burns in me. It stirs in me. There's a desire that goes with this. And then there's, there's idolatry, which is really a kind of a weird thing to think about. How does idolatry... Part of greed, and really, here's how it works: is because the stuff, the dollars, the things, or whatever it may be, become gods in my life, and to the point that I worship them as being most valuable and important. And so it becomes an idol to me. I actually, I actually take God and slide him off to the side, and I exalt this material thing, this this stuff thing, in its place, and it becomes then an idol in my life. And so the Scripture calls it adultery. And, and maybe my favorite is called Filthy Lucre. I just like to say it. Filthy Lucre. Filthy Lucre. I'm mean, trying. It. It's really kind of fun. Filthy Lucre. <laughs> I thought it was fun anyway. Filthy Lucre. And Filthy Lucre l- works something like this. You can't call somebody Filthy Lucre. You know, it's like, you Filthy Lucre. You, you can act going after Filthy Lucre, which means this, is you're trying but with dishonest means to get ahead. Alright, that's basically what that means. You're gonna you're gonna cheat on your taxes, you're gonna twist your, your time card, you're gonna do I mean you're gonna do all these different things, and it's considered when you do that, the gain that comes from that filthy lucre. Which is an old t- King James term by the way. It's just say it again. Filthy lucre. It's just fun, isn't it? I mean, anyway. Nothing else you'll remember today other than filthy lucre. You go rock, walk around eat filthy lucre. You can't call somebody that, but it's just fun to say it like that. Anyway, so so that's that's the biblical definition. A dictionary definition is an excessive desire to acquire or possess more than what one needs or deserves. An excessive desire to acquire or possess more than what one needs or deserves, especially with respect to material wealth. And in our day it's it's called being materialistic. That's what we call it today. We're, we're materialistic. I mean, and by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but just kind of a, you know, bells go off, lights go on, that probably in the world, we are the number one materialistic country in the world. We win. <laughs> you know? I, and, and so it's kind of not like this great thing that we'd like to say, hey, great, we got this. I mean, because we are probably, if any other of these things, I mean, obviously we talked about pride, we talked about anger, we talked about this thing. This thing here kind of rubs close to home for us. Because that's where we live. And this is part of who we are, and so this desire to acquire, and then, so it's called being materialistic. I found this; an urban dictionary describes it as this: the act of caring more about the things, the act of caring more about things than people, and judging yourselves and others on the cost of your stupid things. That's <laughs> like that, the stupid things, and basically what that means is you're materialistic. When your major concerns in life are all about things like a new, the new and greatest, latest new phone, the fastest laptop, the, the, the fanciest app, outfit, you know, I mean, you've you, you got it going on and it's, it's all about that. Or it's the new car, the, the bigger house, whatever it might be. And you think that these material things, these possessions, are the most important things in your life. Now, what I've learned about us, though, is we will say, no, that's not true, but our behavior will not say the same thing. That's the reality. We'll say, no, not me, I, that's not me. But my behavior and how I do life says something totally different. And so we got this thing going on where, where maybe this definition, this greed thing, it might be closer to the home of who, my, who I am in my heart that I really want to acknowledge. And again, this is maybe one of those harder ones. So what, what about Jesus and the serial killer? What about Jesus and the serial killer of greed? See, Jesus spoke more about the dangers of being controlled by a desire for gain than anything else he ever talked about. Hands down. Hands down. Jesus talked more about this one topic than he did any other topic. And you're probably like, well, why would he do that? The reason why he would do that is because he knew that this one thing could become the greatest destructive force in your life in regard to a relationship with him. Why? Because it becomes an idol. Why? Because I'm wanting things instead of him. I'm, I'm looking for him, those th- things in my life to provide the needs or wants and desires of my life. I, I, and so I'm pushing God to the side. And, and so Jesus constantly is talking about this idea that, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Matter of fact, listen to what he said on one occasion. It says in Luke 12. He said, then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such great things as that? And he's like, I mean, seriously? And then he goes on and he answers and he says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, every kind of greed, life is not measured by how much you own. And that was his instruction. Then he goes from there and he goes into a parable and he starts talking a lot more about this and he, and he tries to explain it. And I encourage you to go read that later on. This, this parable that he talks about, a guy that had all these things and his answer, what he tried to do with it and what he's seen as his purpose in life and all these kind of things. Just look at it. And so there's some things I think we can draw these few verses real quickly. The first one is this, is that greed will create drama in our relationships. Greed will create drama in our relationships. Notice what happened in those few verses. Somebody came up to the crowd and said, Hey, my brother's an idiot and he's stealing from me. Go tell, tell him to tell my dad to give me all that I want. Nobody's ever experienced anything like that in your life, right? Where you got in a family argument about finances? No, no nobody's ever had a battle, of husband wives, about money? Exactly. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, it happens because greed, I want, gets in the middle of our relationships. And it creates drama. And so there was this huge fight in the family over the money. And so a lot of times you can tell if you have greed circling, this serial killer of greed circling, if all of a sudden there's conversation after conversation, and argument after argument in your family or in your home or wherever about money. Because it, that's just what it does. It just creates that. It stirs that. It, it stirs that within us. The second quick observation is this. Is that greed deserves a double warning? Greed deserves a double warning. Jesus said, Beware. And he followed it up with a double warning Guard. Guard against these things. And really, what he was saying, he, he was saying, Watch out and be ready because this thing's lurking. He said, Watch out and be ready because this thing's lurking in the dark places. It's, it's trying to get you right now. Watch out, be on your guard. And maybe he was thinking of a serial killer lurking in the dark. And Luke chapter 9 says that Jesus speaking, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you, uh, but are yourself lost and destroyed? What do you, what do you gain? If you get everything and you don't, you don't have anything with relationship to God, what do you really gain in life? You, and so he said, watch out, watch out, beware of this, because it really, really could cost you a lot. See, if you're chasing after the wrong things in life, it's going to eventually turn around and bite you. That's what he's saying. You know, if you, if you go start chasing after pit bull type dogs all the time in your neighborhood, eventually you're gonna get bet. You know, and so look at this next verse, first Timothy chapter six. It says people, excuse me, first Timothy chapter six, but people who long, there's that desire, to be rich, fall into temptation. And are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By the way, it isn't money. Money isn't the problem, it's the love of money. So don't, you don't want to confuse that because a lot of times people say, well, all money's bad. No, it's not that because it isn't the money, it's the love that I have for these things. Alright? And so, and some people craving money, craving money have wandered from true, the true faith and pierced themselves with many, with many sorrows. And I was, I was trying to envision this this verse of what that looks like. You know what it looks like? is, You ever, you ever walked on thin ice? Anybody ever done that? It scares you. I mean, it, it freaks me out. I remember one time I was hunting and I was out and I, I, I had hit a deer. I mean, I was harvesting. How's that? I was harvesting. <laughs> I, I was harvesting and and the deer this is uh, no joke the deer ran away left a nice little cracker trail <laughs> so so i could follow this deer and i followed it for a half a mile or so and 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 finally finally it, it went down it was ready to be harvested the problem is is it did it on a pond it was cutting across i was like there it is Forty feet out in the middle of this kind of pond creek kind of situation, I'm like, I'm gonna go get that. So I, this is what I did. I stepped down on the ice. You know, I'm looking around. I'm like, there's nobody here. I don't know how deep this is. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm walking out here. And here's the deer, man. It's this. It's waiting to be supper, and it's waiting to. I mean, I could. Smell the the meal on the table over there. I mean, I was like, "Ooh, yes!" Take another one. (laughs) I could feel myself going down. I mean, the whole thing—it isn't like a part of it. I mean, the whole pond is just going. So I freeze. I'm thinking, deer or drowned? Deer or drowned? I left the deer. I couldn't do it. I, tried, I was trying to throw stuff out with a little rope, trying to snag it, and do all kinds of stuff. It ain't happening. But my thought was, that's a lot like what happens with this whole green thing. Is that there's something out there in the middle of this pond in the ice, and it's thin ice, and I want to take these steps. I'm going to go for it. And we get out there and we plunge, if you will, through the thin ice. And We find ourselves in a spot we never wanted to be. So, Here's, so what will happen is greed will cause you to fall down and be trapped and plunge into the dark place. Greed will cause you to lose your way and wander from your relationship with God. See, God, it, it's it's actually a spiritual thing. It actually is one of those things that pulls me away from the very relationship that God wants me to have. Why? Because I put my trust in the things and not in God. That's why it's so. That's why it's so big. And, and, and that becomes very painful, so really it happens. So here's the, so the first thing, obviously, we just said, crea- it creates drama in our relationships. It deserves a double warning. The third thing is that greed comes in different shapes and sizes. You're like, you know what, people that, are, that have a lot of money are the most greedy. That's not true. You can have nothing and be very greedy. Different shapes, different sizes doesn't really matter how much you have it you know it, that's how we typically think but it's just not that way so when jesus said beware guard your hearts against every kind of greed and what he was saying there's all kinds of different places and sizes and how this shows up in our lives you know and i, I kind of thought about it this way is that you can be greedy for more i just want more i just want more right now i'm wrestling with a more thing in my home i keep buying more bicycles like motorcycles to work on my shoulder's been bad and I have a lot of time on Craigslist and I keep finding all these great deals. I have to buy them. <laughs> so if you have extra garage space right now, I'd like to use it. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, but more. I mean, it's, it's the more part of it. It's that more kind of greed. That, that somehow I need more. You know, I need more shoes. You know, what is that the, the lady in the Philippines that had 50,000 pairs of shoes? I'm just curious, how many of you have more than 100 pair of shoes? Let's pray again. There's a lot of prayer I need to have again. <laughs> I mean, just more. I mean, it doesn't matter. I just need more. I, get, you, I have one, but I need more. And so it's a more. That's a kind. Another one is you need bigger. Bigger. I need bigger. This is, this is too small. I need a bigger one. I need a bigger house. I need a you know, whatever the bigger is, you just put bigger in that spot, and that becomes a different shape and different size of the greed. And so the bigger becomes that driving force behind this greed. Or, or better. I need a better one. I know that's always been our, our, our battle. I, I always felt like I needed a better car. I need a better car. And I'm thinking to myself, this car gets me from point A to point B just as good as the better one. So I'm probably okay. But it's the better. You know, so more, bigger, better. Greed comes in different shapes and sizes. That the last one, and, and then we'll get into how do we catch the serial killer, is greed will deceive our understanding of true success. Jesus said that that's not how life is measured. See, greed will deceive our understanding of true success. It's not always what I think it is. We, what we think defines success in life is not always the same as what Jesus defines as success in life. Jesus was saying your value in life is not measured by how much stuff you have. That's greed. Jesus was saying, you don't add value or time to your life with more stuff. That's the serial killer of greed. And so Jesus is saying there is more to life than just gathering stuff. And so I, I'm asking the question of this text today, then how do we measure it? I mean, if life is measured by more than my stuff, then what do I measure I mean, if, that's, if it's not my bank account, it's not my house, it's not my car, it's not the stuff that I own or how much stuff I own or the more, the bigger, the better, then what is the success of my life measured by? So if I look at a sports star who makes, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for one game, and I go, he's successful. And God's going, no, nah, he's not then what do I, how do I define that? How, how do I come to an answer that makes sense? How should I define success? If it's not about accomplishment and it's not about money, then what is success? Success then is this. It's all about faith. Meaning trust. So really, those that are most successful in God's eyes are those that trust the most really come on trust and actually if you go and you read through the rest of the parable that jesus shares the whole point of the parable is that the man didn't have faith he didn't trust god because eventually he was going to die and leave everything that he had behind that he thought was successful and he's going to have nothing so the real issue becomes trust and then the other part of that so so how do i define it it's all about faith and it's all about priorities let me answer it this way. How, what is the measurement? How should I define success? It's who am I trusting and what is first in my life? Who am I trusting and what is first in my life? Because if I can answer those answers in line with what God says is important, I'm trusting God and he's my first priority, then God's going, you're successful. But you go, well, wait a minute, God, I, I have a junky car. No, you're successful. <laughs> wait a minute, God, I only have five pair of shoes. He has 150 pairs. <laughs> now you're successful i don't have any shoes <laughs> it's all right you're successful because what that means then is somebody that lives in one of the places that convoy of hope is in they're working with and these kids are trying to figure out how to eat and find food for the day that that child could be more successful than you because of that definition That somehow God would say, you know what, what you think is important really isn't. Because life's not measured that way. It's not measured by how much stuff you own. It's measured by trust and priorities. What are yours? Because if it's not measured by that, I have a feeling what Jesus is kind of saying, he's knocking on the the door of the heart of the person there, and he's going, you know what? There might be a serial killer right here. Oh, okay. Because I'm missing that. And so the way I live my life often demonstrates what I think success is. By who I think is important or what I think is important. You know? I think that person's important because they're a superstar. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what I've learned over, li- over the course of life is my superstars are the ones that have learned to give their lives away for Christ. They're superstars. They're superstars. They're successful. They might not have had anything. They might have never, you might not even know their name, but they're faithful and they trust God. There's something about them that happens. And so, who or, or what? You know, it's like, ah, the cars, the, ch- the houses, the clothes, the stuff, the stuff, the stuff, the stuff. Man, come on. Walmart can't make you successful. And you're like, I don't go to Walmart. Dillard's can't make you successful. Don't go to Dillard's. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'll go up the, <laughs> the ladder. Whatever. It just doesn't work that way. Life is not measured that way. How I spend my money often defines what we think is success. I mean, it's the hobbies. It's, it's what we invest in all the time. It's why I invest in my kids? Are you investing in your kids so they can have a weird way of defining success? Ouch. I mean, how how do we do that? I mean, you know, golf. I love golf. I used to play golf before I had my shoulder shoulder surgery. I love golf, but I mean, if that's my priority, if that's what's important to me, that's why I spend all my money. Man, I I got I got problems here because I'm missing something. I'm missing something. So most will say, uh, most will say, I'm not greedy. And here's why they say or we say this is because I don't feel greedy. I don't feel greedy. I'm not greedy, and here's what happens, this is what happens, it's possible to have the serial killer of greed in my heart, and not feel greedy, because I have masked it with good intentions, someday when I have a lot more, I'm going to give a lot more, what exactly is that, it's greed, I'm masking it, I'm covering it over, I'm I'm doing something, I'm measuring something, I'm I'm not trusting, I'm not prioritizing, I'm doing something else, so Jesus is challenging that. So let me close and kind of wrap this up here real quick. How do I catch a serial killer of greed? We have to make some choices. There's, let me see, one, two, three, four choices that I've got here. First one is this. is Choose to prioritize giving to the things of God as number one. I'm not standing up here because the church wants you to give to the church. I'm standing up here because what that does is it places God on the throne of who he is. It places the kingdom of God above everything else and you realize that the number one priority in your life needs to be giving to the things that God <laughs> thinks are important. You know what God thinks is important? Eternal things. And so I'm going I'm to prioritize, prioritize giving to the things that, uh, of God is number one. I'm going to choose to recognize that everything I have belongs to God and I choose to give a percentage of my income right up front to honor God. Before I worry about my things, I'm going to honor God with everything. Lord, it's all yours. I'm going to prioritize that. Luke 12 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you sometimes what you want. Everything you need. Everything you need. Second one is this. Choose a plan to stop making bad financial decisions. This is anybody can raise your hand, your foot, and your arm, and everything else. I've made one bad decision in my life financially. Just one. Anybody? Okay. Most of you are honest. But well, we, we, we've done that, and so you got to choose a plan to stop making bad financial decisions because greed makes you risk more than you should. And so we need to start the process of doing what leads to financial freedom. We need to start thinking differently with a plan. Financial freedom doesn't just happen; you need a plan. So let me give you a real quick plan. All right, here it is: act your wage. These aren't in your notes. Act your wage. Don't act their wage. Act your wage. <laughs> okay. Act your wage get out of debt get out of debt create margin what's that mean it means if things happen you can afford to have something happen because you've saved a little bit all right create margin and then also if not go and read this book the blessed life i'm just going to throw it out there go read the book the blessed life the blessed life third one choose to move your personal pride line in other words move your pride line It says i have to have 50 pairs of shoes that I can live with five. I know that's hard. Let me say it again. Choose to move your personal pride line. You know, Instead of 50 pairs of shoes, I can live with five. You, you, choose to move your personal pride line. When the serial killer starts saying you deserve better, you need more, you should have a bigger one, choose to be satisfied with what you have. Who cares what you look like? Swallow your pride and elevate God. It's called contentment. It's called contentment. Scripture says in 1 Timothy, true godliness with contentment is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us and when we came into the world, we can take nothing with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be, what's it say? Content. Let us be content. So how do we do that? Because that's a great question. How do we do that? It has to do with sufficiency. Sufficiency. And the sufficiency has to come from God, meaning I don't see myself as the one that's sufficient. God is sufficient. He meets my needs. And so I, I begin to understand, meaning anything beyond food and shelter is more than what I need, and God is allowing me then, if I have more, to use it for his purposes. Big idea. Second Corinthians 9 says, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need, and plenty left over to what? Share with others. Last thing is this. Choose to give something away to the poor. When the serial killer comes lurking and knocking on the door of your heart, the best thing you can do is give something away. The best thing you can do is give something away. Luke 12 says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. Your treasures will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. So the answer is, choose to prioritize giving to the things of God is number one. Choose a plan to stop making bad financial decisions. Choose to move your personal pride line. Choose to give something away to the poor. So here's the close as I invite the worship team to come up. I want to challenge you this week. I want to dare you, actually. Can I dare you? I want to dare you. I want to dare you. And here's the dare. I dare you to give something away this week. I dare you. Something that's maybe a little bit valuable to you, something that you kind of think is important to you, give it away. I dare you. Just give it away. Just give it away. Not because it's, it's clutter and it's junk in your life, but because it is valuable, and you just want to kind of test the waters to how much this might be gripping you. Give something away. Number one. Second dare I have for you is this. Give an offering. Maybe you've never done it. You come to church, you kind of go through the... Just, just give. Not, not again, because God doesn't need the money. God is looking for trust. Just give something. Just, just do it. last one is this, is I dare you to test God in tithing. I dare you for the next 90 days to see, because you know what? God said one time and one time only in Scripture, test me. You know what he said test me with? Your finances. Test me with your finances. Why? Because he was trying to deal with something that has the destructive capabilities of destroying our relationship with God. Test me. Test me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Lord, today, each and every one of us, Lord, we need to beware, it says, and guard our hearts against all kinds of greed. Lord, each one of us. Lord, if you're here here today, And you are saying, you know what, Pastor, I I know I've been struggling with some greed. I've I've been struggling with that. And and I know that God is wanting me to, to live in a different way, in a different place, in a different attitude, in different priorities, in different faith that I've been living. And you're speaking to me. I need to make a decision today, and it's me. Would you just simply raise your hand right now and say, it's me. It's me. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. Lord, I pray for every person that raised their hand today simply ask this, Lord, would you forgive us for allowing anything to take your place in our lives? And Lord, may we make ourselves wholly available for you. May you be the priority. May you be where we put our trust, Lord, and nothing else but just you, God. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.